I want to ask you about this because we're all wondering if Joe Biden is compromised. After all the money the Oversight Committee has told us he has taken in. You sit on the House Oversight Committee. Senator right. jo- uh, Chuck right. Grassley says that he has obtained evidence that shows the FBI received criminal information from more than 40 confidential sources on the Biden family and influence peddling, a potential bribery, and did nothing about it. Joe Biden is compromised. He's compromised by his family business. The FBI completely compromised as well, irretrievably broken. There has to be a complete top to bottom shakeup and restructuring in the FBI. Not only was Biden blackmailing other countries and other countries blackmailing him, but the FBI was blackmailing Biden. The Federal Bureau of Investigation has had 40 informants inside the Biden family for the last 15 years. 40 FBI informants have been feeding the Bureau exactly what Joe Biden, James Biden, and Hunter Biden have been doing all over the world. Well, it tells me that the FBI knows all of the president's dirty laundry and is blackmailing them. The FBI controls everything. Mr. Reagan. Remember to buy my Mr. Reagan mugs and t-shirts and hats and all that stuff. Support the channel and look awesome at the same time. Christmas is coming. No one on the left is talking about this. No one. This is a huge story. It's not on CNN. It's not on MSNBC. It's not in the New York Times, NBC, ABC, CBS, nothing. There is a media blackout. And we'll get to that a little later in the video, but I'm sure you can guess why. Oh yeah, that's right. The FBI controls the media too, because the FBI controls everything. So as you saw in the reporting above, yeah, the FBI has had credible evidence of Joe Biden's corruption for years, and not just a little evidence, evidence from 40, four zero confidential sources. They've had a mountain of evidence. Grassley wrote in his letter, our findings indicate potential criminal activity to include money laundering with respect to members of the Biden family and their business associates, as well as strong financial connections to questionable foreign nationals and foreign government-linked corporate entities. Couldn't have said it better myself. All of this was swept under the rug, and one specific agent was reported to have been tasked with a lot of this dirty work, analyst Brian Auten. From 2016 to 2017, Auten was also a part of the counterintelligence division that led the year-long investigation into Russia's efforts to interfere in our 2016 election. Known as Operation Crossfire Hurricane, the unit examined if any of the Trump campaign's associates coordinated with the Russians. Much of that investigation centered around the infamous Steele dossier, which was later proven uncredible and left many on the right to question the FBI's integrity. Auten has been under internal investigation by Special Counsel John Durham since 2019 for his role in the Russia probe. Department of Justice Inspector General Michael Horowitz pointed out Auten's failure to vet the Steele dossier and knowingly allowing false information to be used in warrant affidavits. But he remains active in the Bureau, and now reports indicate that his unit was involved with the Mar-a-Lago raid and investigation. Senator Chuck Grassley sent this letter to FBI Director Christopher Wray in July over concerns about Auden's handling of the investigation into Hunter Biden's alleged foreign business dealings. Grassley claims Auden's actions led the FBI headquarters to, quote, improperly discredit negative Hunter Biden information as disinformation and cause investigative activity to cease. This agent's so-called analysis was the work upon which the media relied to discredit 
all of the credible accusations and evidence against Hunter. And they, of course, called all of this Russian disinformation. And it was used to black out the reporting of the Hunter Biden laptop and even to deplatform anyone who dared report on it. But of course, Brian Auten was simply following orders from his deep state overlords. And of course, just like the deep state pawn Kevin Kleinsmith, nothing will happen to this guy. But you know what? I don't really care about these pawns. I care about the fact that the FBI has had mountains of evidence indicating that Joe Biden has been taking bribes from foreign businessmen connected to foreign governments in order to influence U.S. policy for years, and they've covered it up. Joe Biden swore to the American people both as a candidate and as president. Now, not one time did he ever speak to his son, his brother, or anybody for that matter about their foreign business dealings. We know that is a flat-out lie. We've learned from James Comer and his investigation that we are talking about tens of millions of dollars taken in from a lot of adversarial countries, some of our top geopolitical foes like China, yeah. Russia, uh, Ukraine, uh, Romania, Mexico, other countries, tens of millions. They've discovered all of these um, shell corporations. They've discovered nine particular Biden family members have been paid. And then you have the issue of Joe on tape admitting that he used our money, taxpayer money, to leverage a billion dollars in loan guarantees, which was Obama administration policy to fire a prosecutor investigating his son. Well, one of the benefits of that, his son continued to get paid for a job he admits he had no experience in at a time where he was dealing with a drug problem. That sound, that's that a, sound like to you? That's a pretty good recitation of the facts. And as John Adams said, facts are stubborn things. They're hard to ignore. Uh, I, I believe uh, the documents are proving all that. As, as my good brother Jamie Comer often says, the bank records don't lie. So we have the receipts on so much of this now. It's a real problem. That's the reason that we shifted into the impeachment inquiry stage on the president himself. Because if, if in fact all the evidence leads to where we believe it will, that's very likely impeachable offenses. You know, that's listed as a cause for impeachment in the Constitution. You know, bribery and, and uh, other high crimes and misdemeanors, bribery is listed there, and, and uh, it looks and smells a lot like that. And I think the evidence, we're going to follow the truth where it leads. We're going to engage in due process because, again, we're the rule of law party. I know people are getting anxious and they're, they're getting restless and they just want somebody to be impeached, but that's not, we don't do that like the other team. We have, to, we have to base it upon the evidence, and the evidence is coming together. We'll see where it leads. So thank God for Mike Johnson. This guy might actually do something about Biden's corruption. But you heard it from him here. There is clear evidence that Biden is guilty of corruption and in particular taking bribes. But the FBI has refused to investigate this and worse, they've covered it up. And why do you think that they've done this? Why would they cover this up? Well, I think that the answer is obvious. The FBI is using the incriminating evidence that they have accumulated against Joe Biden to blackmail him, to control him. Now, I believe, I am 100% convinced that the FBI wanted Joe Biden to win in 2020 because they knew that this was somebody that they could control. Those of us who actually care to discuss the deep state in spite of the pressure against us to pretend that these forces inside and outside of the federal government don't exist, but those of us who do discuss this, we have speculated for a long time now about the extent of the FBI's influence on the executive branch. And one theory that I've had for a long time is that the FBI controls the president. Now, whether the FBI 
itself is subject to control from outside forces, that still needs to be further investigated. And I'll talk about that a little later in the video. But if the FBI controls the president, then they have got a lot of power, far more power than they should have. And I've proposed this theory several times on my show because of one particular incident recounted by Patrick Byrne, in which he exposed an FBI sting operation to gather evidence against Hillary Clinton. But then, instead of arresting her, the FBI did nothing with this evidence. And Patrick Byrne was told directly that the FBI was going to install Hillary as the next president and then use this evidence to control her. I bribed Hillary Clinton $18 million. I facilitated a bribe for Hillary Clinton on January 14, 2016, right here in this town. Hillary Clinton, on behalf of the FBI, they came to me around December 1st, 2015. They told me Hillary Clinton had accepted a bribe from Turkey for $20 million. They told me that there, that I would be working for a group in New York, FBI agents, who had authorization to set Hillary Clinton up in a sting. They asked me to facilitate a bribe for her, an $18 million bribe from another government. The bag man from that other government, I was to befriend, and I was to get that person 10 minutes alone in a room with Hillary Clinton. I did. On January 14th, 2016, Hillary Clinton was in this town, and she met in a way that was kept off her schedule. She accepted an $18 million bribe, and I worked with the FBI as I did that. They were deeply involved in this. They came to me three days later and told me I had to forget about it and forget that it ever happened. And I said, what are you talking about? And they gave me one excuse. They said, uh, you are, Hillary's gonna win and it's been determined, it's been decided upstairs, Nothing, nothing's gonna be able to stop that now. So she's gonna win and she's gonna send her people over to the FBI and ask who was part of investigating Hillary and any of us who were part of it are gonna be destroyed and that includes you too, Patrick. And so this mission has been scrubbed from the highest level. And I, thought about that and I said yes sir and I came but two or three weeks later I was back with three federal agents this time three federal agents and I let them know that wasn't sitting and and this is in Salt Lake City Utah and that that wasn't sitting well with me and I'd like to know why we had almost a year before the election they could have had me and another person in front of a grand jury in a week and gotten her indicted they told me this is word for word Patrick you uh What's really going on is this. President Obama has his people across the federal bureaucracy at this point, but especially the Department of Justice. Hillary Clinton is going to be president for eight years, and nothing's going to change that. But think of there being a Bunsen burner within the Department of Justice. That evidence about the two bribes you were part of gathering is going to be sitting on the Bunsen burner. And the hand on the Bunsen burner is going to be one of Barack Obama's people. If Hillary's a good girl and defends Obamacare, that flame stays low. If she's a bad girl and thinks for herself, it's going to get turned up high. That way, Barack Obama is going to manage Hillary Clinton for the eight years she's president, and then she's going to step down, and Michelle's going to run. And Patrick, that's the plan. That came out of the lips of a federal agent. That's all from it. This isn't a theory. I'm the guy in the room. I'm acknowledging I took part in all this, and I, I was, thought I was helping them conduct federal law enforcement. It turned out that I was having them, helping them set up Hillary Clinton for for a, a deep state to control her. In 2018, I was offered, uh, a federal agent came to tell me, Patrick, you need to understand there are billionaires walking around this world that we made, and we're prepared to do the same for you. You just have to stay calm. You just have to stay quiet through the election. And by that election, I knew he meant 2020 election. So I've known that they were going to hijack this election since October of 2018. 
sometimes bureaucracies get so big and so bad, that's the only way to fix them. The way to fix them is to hit them in the head. It's to start again and build an alternative and then just shoot them in the head. That, the, the bureaucracy in the head. And I think that's the only way that's going to be to fix our, our FBI, our beloved FBI. I have such respect. I grew up with this revering the FBI. And I still revere you know, the men and women in it up to the mid-level. And there are people beyond that who are good. You can't throw the baby out with the bath water, but they, they are systemically corrupted at this point. Now, this incident has been almost universally dismissed by, I don't know, just about everybody, which I don't understand at all. I'm not sure what benefit Patrick Byrne would have for lying about this. And in fact, I happen to have a friend who is a close friend of P Patrick Byrne. And I texted my buddy and I said, is this Credible. Let me let me get the actual text. I, I wrote, do you, do you believe this story is legit? Can, can Patrick Byrne be believed? This is what I wrote to the guy, because he knows Patrick Byrne personally. This guy write, writes, it's legit. He's one of the few people I believe 100%. And then I called him, we talked on the phone for a little while, and he's like, yeah, yeah, no, no, this guy is 100% telling the truth. So, I mean, for somebody who knows Patrick Byrne personally, that is a pretty confident response. So look, to, for, to me, this story is entirely credible, especially considering the new information that we have about the 40 confidential informants providing the FBI with legitimate evidence of corruption against Joe Biden. The pattern becomes clear. And then the FBI tried to gather compromising evidence to control Trump as well. The Steele dossier was obviously bullshit, and yet the FBI went along with it. Why? Seems like a royal foul-up on the part of the FBI. Either they didn't recognize that the evidence against Trump was politically motivated nonsense, which was obvious, or they knew that it was nonsense and they didn't care because it was something that they thought they could use to investigate Trump. Well, now we know that the FBI did know that it was nonsense and they used it anyway to investigate Trump. And we know this because of the Kleinsmith email doctoring. I mean, okay, look, there's a million pieces of evidence indicating this, but the, that Kleinsmith email doctoring, that's probably the best known and perhaps the best illustrative evidence of this. So yeah, we, we know that the FBI intentionally ignored their own understanding of the fraudulence of the Steele dossier and the accusations against Trump of Russian collusion because they thought that they could use all of this to spy on Trump. And they were right. They could use it, and they did use it. And they spied on Trump. And until now, I think a lot of conservatives believe that the spying was an attempt to discredit Trump and derail his campaign in order to get Hillary in. But the spying continued into the actual administration. And this indicates that the FBI wasn't necessarily just trying to get Hillary Clinton in. Perhaps they don't really care who becomes president, just so long as they can control them. But with Trump, they failed. This was a disaster for the deep state, within which the FBI is perhaps the most powerful entity. Their efforts to gather evidence against Donald Trump was exposed, so they never got that evidence. They never got the evidence that they needed, and they never could control Donald Trump. They tried again with the Mueller investigation. They tried again with Trump's taxes. Then they tried again by raiding Donald Trump's house. And still, after all this, they got nothing. Trump cannot be controlled by the FBI. And to them, this is unacceptable. The FBI cannot allow Donald Trump to be president again because they do not control him. And this was also true way back in 2020. And so if you believe that the election was not entirely perfect, as the media claims, consider that it might 
not just be the DNC organizing and funding third parties that engaged in election shenanigans. Consider that the FBI might well have been involved in this as well. Consider the video I did on the reporting out of Michigan by the Gateway Pundit. That was clear evidence of election fraud. Election fraud that was widespread. This is smoking gun evidence, and the FBI buried it. And actually, they didn't just bury it, they actively covered it up. Why? Why ignore obvious instances of election fraud? Well, maybe because the FBI is actively involved in it. Anything to keep Donald Trump out of office. You will remember the recent reporting that there were so many paid FBI informants on January 6th that the FBI has actually lost track of them. So the FBI was integral to the January 6th PSYOP and the false characterization of that protest as a so-called insurrection. So they were instrumental in establishing the false claim that Donald Trump incited an insurrection. And to top it all off, they have falsely arrested several January 6th protesters in order to perpetuate the myth of the insurrection in order to further that same false narrative. The FBI is totally corrupt. And people like myself, attempting to report on all of this, we have been totally shut down by social media. We have been accused of spreading conspiracy theories and disinformation. And of course, we have been right at every turn. But Facebook, old Twitter, YouTube, Google, basically all the tech companies have gone along with whatever the Democrats want. And it's all anti-Trump, pro-Biden, everything. If you say Hunter might have a problem abusing illegal substances, your social media gets suffocated. But if you say that Trump is beholden to Putin, a blatant propagandist lie, well then, maybe your account gets boosted. And look, we've always believed that this social media interference has been spearheaded by the DNC because that's the obvious suspect here. But maybe that's wrong. Maybe it's just the FBI. I mean, of course, we've known about the FBI agent Elvis Chan, who was essentially controlling these social media companies. But I think many of us thought Elvis Chan might have been controlled by the DNC, or at least in cahoots with the DNC. But maybe that's not right. Maybe the DNC is irrelevant here. Maybe Elvis Chan was entirely controlled by his superiors in the FBI, the deep state puppet masters who wanted Joe Biden's corruption buried and who wanted the propagandist lies about Donald Trump amplified, all because they control Joe Biden but they do not control Donald Trump. And of course, the same is true about the mainstream news media. And this story about Biden and the 40 spies is, a, is perfectly illustrative of this. There is a total media blackout on this story. And there have been 40 confidential informants who have come forward with evidence against Joe Biden's corruption and the FBI has covered it up. How is this not the biggest story in America at the moment? All anyone cares to report about is Israel. What a convenient war. To think that the FBI has incriminating evidence about our current president and has had this evidence for years and no one has any interest in reporting about that, it is inconceivable. Inconceivable! But you know what? It's totally conceivable if you accept the possibility that the FBI actually controls the mainstream news media. MSNBC has hired John Brennan, James Figliuzzi, Chuck Rosenberg, Malcolm Nance, Jeremy Bash, and who knows how many more. This is a very old list that I was able to find. CNN has hired James Clapper, Andrew McCabe, James Baker, Josh Campbell, Asha Rangappa, Stephen Hall, Phil Mudd, Susan Hennessy, Samantha Vinograd, James Gagliano, and who knows how many more. As I said, this is a very old list. The point is, the mainstream media keeps hiring these former FBI guys, these former CIA guys. And what do you think they're doing there? You think they're just advising them? I don't know. 
And look, everybody knows about FBI General Counsel James Baker working at Twitter and the massive and disturbing revelations that came from the Twitter files. But according to a New York Post article from 17 December 2022, Twitter was riddled with former FBI before the Musk takeover. I just pray that Elon Musk has ousted all of them at this point. But you know what? Who knows? And of course, it's not just the FBI. I don't trust anyone in the upper echelons of any of the three-letter agencies. And you remember that earlier in the video, I mentioned that we don't know whether or not the FBI is controlled by any other outside actors. Well, there is some evidence that this very well might be the case. You remember that a while back in 2021, a high-ranking Chinese official defected to America. Well, that guy's name was Dong Jingwei, and he was China's vice minister of state security. When this guy defected, he turned himself over to the DIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency. This is an agency very much like the CIA. They do a lot of work that we think the CIA does, but they're more sort of like, they're, they're like a lesser known version of the CIA. Well, anyway, something really weird happened during that incident when Dong Jingwei defected. The DIA kept this man's defection secret from all the other agencies. And apparently, this was because the DIA believed that the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, and possibly many other agencies in the federal government, they're all compromised by Chinese spies. That's what the DIA believes. This was reported by the news website Red State. This is what they had to say about it. Sources say DIA leadership kept their defector within their clandestine services network to prevent Langley from accessing the person whose existence was kept from other agencies because DIA leadership believes that there are Chinese spies or sources inside the FBI, CIA, and several other federal agencies. I mean, what the f**k? So if the FBI controls the president and China has compromised the FBI, then it's possible that China controls the United States president. Now that may be overstating the nature of the situation, but who knows? Maybe it's understating it. It's hard to know. Nobody seems to be interested in investigating this at all. Consider that Dianne Feinstein employed a Chinese spy as her driver for almost 20 years. And you will, of course, remember Eric Swalwell's girlfriend, Fang Fang. Former Democrat Senator Barbara Boxer actually registered as a foreign agent for a Chinese surveillance company. Chuck Schumer and Eric Adams have been photographed attending events with known Chinese spy Liu Jiang Wang. Look, I don't know what it is with Democrat politicians and Chinese spies. I mean, it's, it kind of makes sense, I guess. If you're going to take bribes, if you're going to involve yourself in this, like these criminal schemes, you're probably not going to do it with foreign agents from honest countries where the politicians are unlikely to be corrupt. You're going to do it in the most corrupt countries in the world. These are seasoned criminals, seasoned corrupt politicians, seasoned corrupt businessmen. Everyone they would be working with would know to keep quiet about what they're doing. And I think this is why it seems like sometimes Democrats are aligning America more with our enemies than our allies because they are. But there is an obvious problem with this. If you're a high-ranking American official and you're getting yourself involved in criminal activity with seasoned criminals, well then you might as well just give them a pair of scissors and lay your genitals on a table out in front of them because now they own you. Gordon, I am incensed that the United States constantly puts itself in the position of being supplicant to China, sending emissary after emissary to China only to be humiliated by their counterparts and by Xi. I'm worried that once again, 
again, we are teeing President Biden to go over to uh, meet with uh, President Xi and ask for what? How can they turn the tables so that America becomes, uh, acts like the dominant player that we are? Their economy is in trouble. They are not the world's superpower. We are the world's superpower. What is it going to take for this administration to start behaving that way? And could this bilateral meeting possibly open the door to a reset of our relationship? Because right now, I, I mean, it just, it staggers me that China has wormed its way into the Middle East negotiations, uh, acting as a peacemaker when they are anything but. What would you be telling uh, Joe Biden to do when he meets with Xi in the upcoming meeting? Well, you know, Xi Jinping has been committing genocide and crimes against humanity and inviting him to American soil is hideous. You know, we should be um, implementing our obligations under the 1948 Genocide Convention and punishing uh, China, as the term is in that convention. Um, I, I, it's just indescribable to me that we would be asking him onto our soil. Um, we need to take those severe costs on China. It is now at a very dangerous point. As you point out, Liz, their economy is failing, and their only reaction, their only path forward is actually to lash out at uh, some country or in the United States. And consider that Biden went to China with his son Hunter, and Hunter made deals with several Chinese nationals connected with the Chinese government. We know of Hunter's habits with regard to illegal chemical substances and pay-to-play women in the bedroom. So it's not a huge stretch to imagine that in China, Hunter met with some businessmen who set him up in a hotel room fitted with cameras and presented him with some women to entertain him, women who were probably underage. Now, they would have evidence that would not only compromise Hunter, but if Joe Biden cares about keeping his son out of prison, it would be evidence that would compromise Joe Biden as well. China is a near peer-to-peer -peer adversary to us now. And of course, their goal is to rebuild the empire. And so we're doing everything we can to ensure that we maintain our military superiority. We're the only nation that has the ability to project power and force like that around the globe right now, but China is doing its best to encroach upon that power. And you see they're even putting outposts around us. They're buying up farmland and, and states here in, in the U.S. Uh, all of these things have to be addressed at the federal level, at the state level, with the legislatures, and even in some of these localities. We have uh, Chinese CCP-owned um, companies that are coming in and open shop on Main Street in some towns in they're, our small they're town. They're buying our farmland. Yes. They're buying our ranch land, and they're buying land near military installations. Yes. Would we be allowed to buy it there? <laughs> of course not. Of course not. Of course not. not. And, and they allowed a, you know, a Chinese spy balloon to float unimpeded across the country for eight days. You know, we, have, we scratch our heads a lot around here about these Biden decisions. And I don't know, it may be tied in some way to, I don't know, some of the, the money they receive from some of these folks. Well, you are on the House Judiciary Committee. Yes. We've been watching the House Oversight Committee with James Comer. Yeah. And there are a million other ways in which the Chinese could be extorting and controlling Joe Biden. Just by taking bribes from the Chinese, which we know Joe Biden did, just that alone would be enough to control Joe Biden. So even without compromising the FBI, the Chinese are, they very likely have some level of control over Joe Biden. But with the FBI compromised by Chinese spies and with 40 FBI informants spying on Joe Biden, it seems like there's a whole other layer to this. Even if the Chinese have zero control over anyone at the FBI, well, now we've got a problem with the FBI just going rogue and controlling presidents because who knows, maybe there's just some megalomaniacs within the FBI who want 
to control the president. Or maybe the top tier of the FBI is controlled by another outside group other than the Chinese. In any case, this is a huge problem. And there's only one solution. The FBI must be disbanded. It has veered too far off course from its original mission. My friend, former FBI agent Michael Van Meter, he's presented me with, I think, an astute observation about the agency in that the FBI serves two functions that should really be handled by two different agencies. It's a law enforcement agency and it's also an intel gathering agency. And these two functions too often blur together. The FBI is not allowed to spy on U.S. citizens, but the FBI have been able to use its power as a law enforcement agency to get around this consistently for decades. Michael Van Meter, by the way, is running for the Virginia State Senate in the 33rd District, so if you live in Virginia and you are not aware of that election, then get involved and check out his website at vanmeterforvirginia.com. State and local politics is so important and it's often overlooked, so if you're in Virginia, please help out my friend. He is a true patriot and he's just a great guy. So I've spoken with Mike about this a lot, and he, you know, he is former FBI back when, you know, we could say that the FBI were the good guys. And this is the solution that I've come up with from my discussions with him. I propose that as soon as Trump is reelected, the FBI be disbanded, and we establish a new agency in its place that exists, exists exclusively as a law enforcement agency. The intelligence gathering can be conducted exclusively by the NSA, and the NSA will also be overhauled, and maybe the top brass should all be fired. Of course, we also need to go through the CIA personnel with a fine-tooth comb and get rid of a lot of the people who work there, too. In fact, I'd get rid of anyone with Marxist sympathies and, heck, probably anybody who votes Democrat. And if that's against the law, then let's change the law. You should be able to fire anyone in government who votes Democrat because you know they're compromised or they're deep state or they're an idiot. Well, that's it for me. And remember to buy my Mr. Reagan mugs and t-shirts and hats and all that stuff. Support the channel and look awesome. As I said before, Christmas is coming. Let me know what you guys think in the comment section below. And remember, it's not that liberal friends are ignorant. It's just they know so much that is not so. Good night. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. And this idea that government is beholden to the people, that it has no other source of power except the sovereign people, is still the newest and the most unique idea in all the long history of man's relation to man. We had a situation in a time of peace where a thousand people were mutilated and butchered, and yet that ignited these people on the campus to root for the people who were murdering and beheading. To make sense of the realities of the Israel-Hamas war, I sit down with classicist and military historian Victor Davis Hanson, best-selling author of The Dying Citizen and of the upcoming book, The End of Everything. A lot of people apply rules to the Jewish state they would never apply to any other colony. Did Hamas miscalculate Israel's response? Will Hezbollah intervene? What is Iran's play? And what do many in the West misunderstand about Israel and Hamas? Why don't you just read what they write, rather than to project what you think they should write? This is American Thought Leaders, and I'm Yanya Kellick. Victor Davis Hanson, so good to have you back on American Thought Leaders. Thank you for having me on. Victor, I want to do a, kind of a primer here on what's happening in the Middle East right now, uh, what's happening with the Israel-Hamas war. 
how this all came to be. How do you view this from your unique, you know, military history lens here? Well, it's multifaceted. So there was social, economic, military precursors. I guess you would call them long-term factors, and then there was short-term. Long-term, uh, Israel had reached a zenith as far as its own history in terms of affluence, leisure. Anybody who'd gone to Haifa would be astounded by it compared to American City. <laughs> I was just there, and it made San Francisco look pathetic in comparison. It really did. It was clean. It was crime-free. It was prosperous. People were walking out at midnight. Beautiful harbor. And so they had the accords with the Saudis, the resurrected Abrams Accord. They were exuberant. You would meet Israelis in government and commerce, and they would say, the last two years, we have 20,000 Gazans working for us. We haven't had any trouble. Uh, when they get injured, we take them to a hospital. We're teaching them methods of sophisticated agriculture. We're going to be friends with the Saudis. The Iran deal fell through as we knew it would. And that gave them certain assumptions that were impossible given where the, their neighborhood. So if they have a, a, a political disagreement in the fashion that we do, and perhaps maybe Netanyahu is, is as controversial as, say, Trump. So we're going through this political civil war almost, but we're safe. We have Canada and Mexico and we're away. And they had the same type of dispute over the Supreme Court. Where to the, we had a million people in the street protesting the Netanyahu government. We had people, they had people that were not signing up or not reporting for their IDF reservist call. That's a, an extravagance that Western societies can afford, but not them. But they had lulled them into that sin. So that, I think that created a sense of unpreparedness that was known to Hamas. Iran, after the Biden administration came in and stopped all the sanctions, and they had 50 to 70 million billion dollars in additional oil revenues. We were giving them sanction re relief. Obama had done that. Trump had stopped it. But they did not quite, they, they knew abstractly how much wherewithal Hamas was getting in terms of money, rockets, weapons, and maybe Hezbollah, but they didn't conceptualize that as threats to uh, the IDF in a way that they had not during the Yom Kippur War either. So it was the same mentality. And that gave an opening for Hamas. And so that was one thing. The second was, I think when Hamas went in there, they thought we're going to attack at a time of peace when they think they are playing us off against the Palestinian Authority and that they think we want to be Singapore and they think they believe our rhetoric and they're completely unaware and then short term we're going to go through the gate, the, the wall, whatever. And it's not much of a wall if you look at it compared to what you think a wall is or the new Trump wall in comparison. We're going to do it at a holiday. We're going to do it at a time of early in the morning when they're not expecting it. And we're going to be brutal in a way that no one's ever imagined before. We're going to decapitate. We're going to desecrate. We're going to mutilate. We're going to torture. We're, in, we're going to engage in things that are unspeakable necrophilia, rape, 
accept we're going to take hostages we're not just going to take hostages we're going to take young kids two three four we're going to take elderly women and we're going to do two things by that we're going to be so pre-civilizational that we're going to shock them into terror that you can't we, we've got to do something we have to talk that they're just completely out of control i know that this sounds unrealistic but that was the men, the mentality and the other presumption was we're going to be so depraved in our violence that we're going to make the argument that only people who are being exploited would ever reach that level of barbarity, as in, you made us do it. And third, they have a whole expatriate community of Middle East people uh, throughout Europe and the United States, and especially they understood the new DEI campus, and they thought, we can do all of this and we won't get any global disdain anymore because the universities, the institutions of Western society are pretty much controlled by the pro-Palestinian left. And they were right in all those assumptions. They only made one mistake. They miscalculated the Israeli response. They looked at the first four days of the Yom Kippur War of 1973, but they didn't look at the next 15. Had they done that, they would have realized that the response was going to be medieval in their term, and that's what we're watching today. They're going to be destroyed. I think that Israel, Israel's uh, political parties have coalesced temporarily. People from all across the spectrum are united, and they have come to the idea that there's no two-state solution. You cannot make peace with people who do these things, and I think Hamas overestimated um, their ability to shock the Israelis or scare them or terrify them or win the approval of the world. That's what they were thinking. But I think there's still a lot of people in the world who are going to give Israel a green light. And this is the first time in our lifetimes, I'm 70 years old, that there are, I don't see any restraint on Israel. I don't see a Western diplomat, a Macron or a Schultz calling them up and saying, listen, You've had five days of barbarity. We're going to cut your aid off. Or Joe Biden saying, you do this and do this. I don't see that happening. And that applies to Hezbollah and Iran as well. Well, I mean, it's interesting that you say that because, I mean, there's people, uh, from what I'm hearing, you know, rebelling even in the U.S. government because of the, you know, U.S. response being so, let's call it, pro-Israel. Yes. Right? Um, at the same time, um, I've read some compelling analysis um, talking about how essentially the U.S.'s empowerment of Iran, which you discussed somewhat uh, earlier, um, may have played a significant role in this just simply because of Iran basically be feeling like they're kind of unchecked. And yes, and they had the financial wherewithal when sanctions were relieved and disposable income to arm Hamas and Hezbollah to levels that no one had ever imagined would be possible. So they were riding high. Iran at this juncture said, we have new allies. We have the Chinese, and we're selling drones to the Russians in the Ukrainian war. The Obama idea of a Shia crescent of Tehran, Damascus, Beirut, Gaza is actuated. It's there now. We have in the U.S. government, we have Robert Malley, who's one of us, basically, they would say. And we have people in the, 
Department of Defense that he's helped insert there. And we have a non-compos mentis president that is probably being heavily influenced by the Obamas, Ben Rhodes type of Iran deal, who is back in the news uh, lately lecturing Israel. And so Iran got the idea, because they didn't, Hamas and Hezbollah, I think is your train of thought is they wouldn't do anything without the permission of Iran, and that's true. So they were the other player. But I think just as Hamas has misjudged the geostrategic landscape and then the mentality in Israel in particular, so Iran has. This is the first time in, since the Iranian Revolution some 43 years ago that there's no restraint on a retaliation to Iran. We have a huge force that's assembling off the coast of the Middle East and if Hezbollah or Iran were to attack that, Joe Biden would be led by events. He couldn't stop the response from the indignant American people. And that response would be existential to Iran, and they know that. And I think it even applies to Hezbollah. So they got themselves into a jam, I think, by the level of barbarity. If they had gone in there and taken two hostages or five hostages, we'd be back the same old you know, wash, rent, spin cycle of the Middle East. But they were so exuberant in their depravity and they l exhilarated by it that, it that it really changed the mentality of the players. And I think now if Hezbollah says, if you go one more day and we're going to send rockets, the Israelis' collective idea would be, what are you going to do, rape our dead? You've already done that. What else could you do, behead babies? You've done that. So do your worst and we'll do our best. And let's settle it. And that's a very dangerous attitude to have. And that's what the Israelis have right now. And I think that's why Hezbollah has not so far intervened. And it's kind of counterintuitive, isn't it? The, the status quo or the consensus is if they use an inordinate or what we call disproportionate use of force in Gaza, that will infuriate Hezbollah and then they will intervene with their huge rocket force. But classical strategy, the tragic view says that they will not, if they see Beirut ending up like Gaza City, and they know that that could happen very easily, and they really haven't recovered from the 2006 war with Israel. So it'll be very, it's, anybody who predicts what's happened is usually wrong in the Middle East, but my sense is that Iran and Hezbollah have found themselves in a, a position that initially they thought was so envious and so great, and as they start to examine it in its fullness, they might not find it so inviting. I don't think the Russians would ever intervene on their part. They're stuck in Ukraine. I don't think the Chinese have any interest at all other than keeping the sea lanes open, avoiding a theater war, keep the oil flowing, and hurting the United States vicariously. Other than that, they're not going to intervene, on the, not when they have a million Muslims in work camps themselves. So I don't see where they're, as in Cold War proxy wars, I don't see where their patrons intervene. Can I look at what they have, their wherewithal, and I'm not that impressed with it, and it, it compared to the United States or Europe or even Israel.